I definitely feel a change of heart for sure. Like after listening to your videos and overcoming my porn addiction and just learning to see sex so differently, it's like once I connect with the dots, I can't unsee the truth anymore. Welcome to the Fall Estate. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. Uh, the Fall Estate podcast is on iTunes. So download audio and video of the latest show from the Apple iTunes podcast library. And I appreciate it. Very interesting guest today. I've been on her show before. I have with me Alana Parekh. She is a porn addiction recovery coach and the host of Ahana Podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. It's an honor. Yeah, I had fun when I was on your show as well. I had so much fun, too. That was such a great conversation. Did your people, your followers like me or they hated me? <laughs> Most of them really liked you. There were some people who were angry, though. They were like, how can you be following this guy? <laughs> <laughs> you don't look like a porn addiction recovery coach. <laughs> what, what do you think? Like, what, what do you think? What's, who do you picture in your head when you picture porn recovery coach? Kind of like a lesbian person. A, <laughs> a rough, fat lesbian. Really? That's so funny. <laughs> You look so nice and sweet and innocent. Well, they say it's always, you know, it's always the subtle ones. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going through their head, really. <laughs> That's right. And so I read that your parents are from India, right? Correct. Yes. And um, um, so you were born here in the United States? Yes. Oh, I see. And so it was interesting how your parents came together and their age, ages when they got together. Tell us about that. Yeah, so they had um, an arranged marriage, although it wasn't like it wasn't um, like a totally arranged marriage because like it's like so back then um, it would be common, you know, sometimes for families to arrange their kids with each other um, without the kids even having a say in it. Right. But in my parents case, my dad really wanted to marry my mom. Um, my mom wasn't that enthusiastic about <laughs> marrying my dad, yeah. but um, her parents and his parents made it happen. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine that it was difficult for your mother because she was 16 years old and your yeah. father was 30 at the age, at the time. When they, yes, when they first got together, I think that was when they got engaged. And then when she actually got married, I think it was um, either when she was 17 or 18. She didn't come to the States until she was 18. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, so were they living together 13 uh, when she was... Um, so she was living with her family oh, I see. Um, and then he was living with his family. They lived in the same building though. That's how they met. Right. And um, yeah, my dad was really attracted to my mom. So he <laughs> wanted to marry her. And um, then my dad brought, my dad had come to America to get a college education. And then he came back to get my mom and then they moved together to America. So that's commonplace in India to arrange the marriage, right? A marriage. It was back then. At this point, I don't know. I mean, I, I know it still happens, but I don't know anymore. Like, 
you know, how, like what the stipulations are and like if the kids have more of a say in who they get to marry now. Um, But I would say now, like it is more common for people to get married out of like willful love as opposed to being arranged, but arranged marriage does still happen. So your mother didn't want to get with him because of age and, and was that like the way he looked or what, what was her issue with it other than age? If that was, she didn't, she didn't want to come to America. She wanted to stay in India and my and my grandparents wanted her to go to America and get an American college education and everything. And so they, yeah. And, and, and they really liked my dad and, um, yeah, but, but yeah, my mom and my dad, definitely not the most compatible match. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. And so while growing up, was that hard on you knowing that, or did you know that she really didn't want to marry him when you were young or did you find this out later? Oh, that's a good question. I actually don't even remember like when I found out about it, but what, you know, what's really interesting to me though, is that seeing the way my parents interact now starting as an arranged marriage, it reminds me so much of so many marriages out there who get married out of love, but they still ended up the same with like the woman being the one in control and kind of belittling the man and the man being more in like, you know, the backseat beta kind of guy, you know, like it's funny. Like it still turned out that way, even though there's so many marriages who get married out of love and it still turns out that way. Yeah. So it seems like across the board, it's just a common pattern. That's amazing. Yeah. And so even though they were traditional, they were raised traditional, very mm-hmm. conditioned, uh, you were not, you ended up being liberal and out of control. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. And totally addicted to porn yeah. and everything. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I think that my mom... You know, I think that my mom, when my mom was growing up, she was living in a very restrictive environment, you know, like, like very um, conservative for sure, but slightly different from the conservatism that's in America. And um, so when she got to America, you know, she got an American college education. And I think that she kind of, she kind of like opened herself up more to the idea of you know, being liberal and everything. Like she met people here who, um, you know, she said that she, I remember she was telling me about, she was telling me about how when she realized that it wasn't um, bad to be gay and everything. Cause my, my grandparents in India, they would like, and still a lot of my family in India does not accept um, being gay, you know, but then in America here, she definitely got the American college experience. And I think kind of was very influenced and everything. And I think that, um, you know, the, the trauma she experienced growing up, I think she kind of wanted us to not have that. So she kind of went the other extreme in yeah. the way that she taught us, you know. It's amazing how college can screw up a person. It can, <laughs> it can change your whole life. Are you an only child? No, I have two younger sisters, actually. Oh, OK. And mm-hmm. so I, I read that your mother in, encouraged you to be more modern in your relationship and um she encouraged you to sleep around before marriage. <laughs> well, she doesn't believe that it's a good idea to get married to someone before having sex with them. Really? Because in her, yeah, I know it's like it's so interesting, right? And like she kind of, she has. So I guess um, we know a lot of 
I know a lot of people whose marriages have failed. Yeah. And unfortunately, it seems like in some cases, the lack of sexual chemistry can be an issue. And so my mom, I guess, felt like, you know, you don't know if you're going to have sexual chemistry with this person. So you should, um, you know, explore, figure out what you like, figure out what you don't like before you <laughs> commit for life, you know, but now I, now I'm on the total opposite side of that spectrum. And now yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait until, I mean, I'm not a virgin anymore, but born again, virgin, yeah, <laughs> there's right. such a thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's probably not. There's probably a lot of people who wouldn't buy that but I, I definitely feel a change of heart for yeah. sure like after listening to your videos and overcoming my porn addiction and just learning to see sex so differently it's like once I connected the dots I can't unsee the truth anymore so that's I can't right. have sex until I'm married that's amazing yeah um I'm just wondering when your mother said to you you know what daughter if I were you <laughs> I recommend you have sex before marriage <laughs> you need to go out and test the water and see what you like. Were you like, were you surprised to hear her say that? Huh? Uh, no, not necessarily because all throughout my life, my mom, I mean, all throughout my life, my mom has been very liberal minded, very much a feminist, very much in support of like birth control and abortion and all that kind of stuff. And oh. so I think like, it didn't really come as a surprise to me. And I was like that way too, oh, okay. being raised in, in the family. So it didn't even strike me as a weird thing to, to be given that, you know, and, and I think with my mom, like my mom, and my dad, uh, my, my dad is the only person my mom has ever been with. And I think that, I think that maybe her dissatisfaction might've been the reason why she encouraged me to go the other way. Yeah. But, you know, I think that, in an ideal situation, uh, there would be a lot of satisfaction in waiting and not yeah. in like, you know, seeking out lots of opportunities. <laughs> That's right. And so did your father know she suggested that to you? Was he aware of that? I don't know. I, he, I've never actually had a conversation with him about sex or anything. Right. So I think that he was kind of just always out of the, out of the loop. Nice. When I, when I was, well, not nice, but <laughs> I know what you, yeah. when I was growing up, we didn't even want our parents to know we were having sex. So not only mm -hmm. did they not talk to us about it, we mm -hmm. hid it from them completely because it was so, you know, it was just embarrassing. You wanted mm -hmm. to respect your parents and they would never bring that up to you. And it was okay to not have that kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you feel about talking about being, um, uh, into pornography in the manner that you were now that you're overcoming it, you've overcome mm -hmm. and you understand it. Is it embarrassing to, to talk about or how you, you were know, talking about it? It's like, it's so interesting how when I was watching porn, I felt embarrassed that I was watching it, but I didn't at the same time though, I would justify it. And I would say like, there's nothing wrong with it. Everyone does it. Everyone's watching it. And like, you know, I remember finding it as a little kid at seven years old is when I first found it. And I remember, wow. you know, be, yeah, I remember being at my friend's houses and, you know, uncovering their parents' porn stash <laughs> and everything. It's like, because I think most people find it because it's in the house somewhere, yeah. you know, because someone in the house is watching it. And so I think that um, I grew up thinking that it was such a normal thing, like, oh, like, 
it's in my house. My, my friend's parents are watching it too. Like my friends are watching it too. It's probably like not a big deal, but I noticed, you know, every time after watching it, I did feel this like disgust and shame, but I didn't really know why I was feeling it. And now, like when I first started making videos, talking about it on YouTube, I wasn't even thinking that people were going to find the videos because (laughs) my channel was pretty small at that time. And I had started documenting my journey in overcoming porn addiction. So I was still addicted to it when I was starting to make videos about it. Um, But over time, I was getting so much feedback from people who were going through the same issue. So I think that I didn't really feel that embarrassed because I was like, okay, it seems like this is a widespread thing that everyone is dealing with. So, you know. When I was uh, reading about your story, when I hear that women are addicted to porn, Mm -hmm. it it seemed odd to me because when I was growing up, you never heard of women being addicted to porn, right? And I never heard of women getting high or getting drunk. There was Mm -hmm. one woman I knew that was older than us, and she would get drunk. And Mm -hmm. that was odd. We would laugh about it. She was a a member of the family. But Mm -hmm. I'm not used to women being addicted to porn. I don't even know know. what they do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think about it, I mean, if you think about it, when you're, I mean, when you look at porn, it's mostly women in the videos, you know? And so I think, Like there's these women who I think that in general, it's a common theme when a woman doesn't have a super strong, healthy, masculine role model in her life. Uh, It's pretty common to see them become hypersexualized. I think I think a lot of them, you know, fall into being very hypersexual without a strong, healthy, masculine figure. That makes sense. When you first saw it at seven, when you saw the magazine or whatever, the pictures or whatever you found, were you shocked? Yes. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is this? I remember like, I remember this is my, I don't know how in detail I can really get here because it's, it's very inappropriate. But I, I remember watching um, a video of a man having sex with a woman, having sex with a woman. And I remember he was it. And the woman was like screaming in the video. And (laughs) now I know it's out of pleasure. But when I was watching it, I was like, is he killing her? Like, is he (laughs) trying to murder her? Because he was just going so hard. And I was like, what is this? Like, what am I like? What even is this? I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. And did you run home and tell your parents? Oh, I just saw the shocking video (laughs) picture. Did you tell your parents at seven? No, I didn't. It's like somehow deep down, I guess I still must have known that it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. I um, I realized that what what caused human beings to become addicted to anything is the shock of it. Mm, As a kid, when you were shocked, it awakened that because you were angry or the shocking of it. The shock of it is what made you become attracted to it, the mm-hmm. overreaction to it. I realized that if we don't overreact to anything, then we will not be controlled or we cannot be become attracted to it in any way but That's it's just so shock. interesting yeah it's like when someone makes you angry it's a it's a spiritual shock and mm. once they, you overreact then they have control over you or if they make you feel good that's so interesting i never thought about it that way before it's amazing and so at what age did you get involved in pornography really i know you were finding it at Seven, but what age did you find it attractive enough to get involved? You mean like to become addicted to it? Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I first found it, 
like I said, yeah, I was very shocked by it. And I remember after, like, it left a huge imprint in my mind. Like, I remember yeah. after seeing it the first time, I wanted to watch it whenever I could. Like, yeah. whenever I had a moment where I was alone in the house or, like, if I was ever with my friends and, like, their parents were gone, like, that'd be the first thing we would go and look for would be, would be the porn. <laughs> and, like, it's so crazy to think about it. Like, just, like, two young girls, like, looking at porn, like, on, a, on like, a TV screen. It's like, what were we doing, yeah, you know? Yeah. But, but, yeah, so I would say that I, I would seek it out whenever I had an opportunity to. And then I remember, like, after a while actually feeling something about it like because I remember when I when I first saw it it was just shocking but then after a while I started to feel arousal as a young child which is really odd you know yeah. it's amazing how how early you can start to feel those sexual impulses and I remember like trying to experiment with like you know masturbation and everything and I think that once I once that once I um, realized that I could feel physical pleasure from watching it too, then like the addiction just wow. skyrocketed. So I would say it was around maybe like eight, nine years old at that point. That's amazing. <laughs> really, really young. Yeah. On your channel, do you get mostly women asking you questions or a men? Which come more? Is it mostly men? It's or mostly women? men. It's mostly men. Oh, yeah, okay. I think it's still pretty rare. I mean, I mean, there's definitely women who are addicted to it, but I still mostly hear from men. And so far, like I've talked to hundreds of people at this point about it, and across the board, I have yet to meet. Actually, you know what? That's not true. There's like maybe one or two people I've met, but across the board, 99% of the times, people find it before they turn 10 years old. Yeah, that's what I found. Most people find it when they are children. Amazing. And so are these men trying to get help from you or they're, or they're turned on? <laughs> That's so funny, right? I've actually thought about that. I'm like, am I just another woman on a screen? Like for these people, it's like almost a porn replacement because yeah. I don't want to do that, you know? But I would say for the most part, whenever someone reaches out to me for um, coaching, they're usually pretty legit. They're usually like at, at, their personal rock bottom. They don't know where else to turn. They genuinely want to change. But of course, there's always guys who are just going to be creepy and will want to talk to you because they want to like see if you'll like, you know, have sex with them or something. And I always like block and cut the conversation off immediately when I feel that. Now that you're over it and you're a coach, do they do men come along who offer you money or say, hey, let's get together? Are you uh, do they ask you for those things or offer you money? That actually has happened. Yeah, I actually had someone messaging message me, asking me, offering me money to uh, go to a porn convention. <laughs> and I just didn't reply. But it That's was crazy. Amazing. I'm like, do you even watch my videos? <laughs> I know. Huh? What made you decide to go to college? Uh, my parents. My parents really, really wanted me to go to college. I wasn't even sure about it at the time, but they really wanted me to go. And, uh, and what, what was your major in? What you, what did you get? Graduating? <laughs> oh goodness, I got it. <laughs> I majored in dance. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so are you a dancer too? Do you dance now? I do. Yeah. So I was teaching dance classes in Chicago uh, when I first graduated from college. I was teaching and I was um, performing in like dance companies through the city, and um, yeah, my last job. I actually, so my last job, I was supposed to be the dance teacher, but that program didn't run through. So I ended up teaching fitness and nutrition 
I'm at a trade school. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) What's important to you? What's important to me? The truth. The truth is very important to me. I want to know the truth at the end of the day. Like if I, if, if I don't know the truth and I feel like life doesn't really mean anything, like I need to know that my actions and what I'm doing every day are based on what's true and not based on lies. And do you have peace? Not always. No. And why not? I think I still deal with a lot of, sometimes I've noticed myself still dealing with anger. You know, I've, I've definitely taken your advice with the forgiving and everything I've forgiven my parents, but I notice I still get very triggered about things. Like, so anything related to COVID, for instance, like I am so (laughs) anti-mask and I'm so anti-vax. I was actually just fired from my job for not complying with these COVID mandates. And so, yeah. And so like that stuff, I will get angry. Like, oh my goodness, I would definitely did not. Uh, I was not the most professional at the end of my job because I was just so angry about every, I was getting so triggered. <laughs> I want to recommend that if you practice now doubting every thought, mm-hmm. uh, because it's the thoughts that bring on the feeling of anger and you think mm-hmm. that is you. So you're reacting to it, to the mm-hmm. not you. It's all ego. And yeah. now that you've gone and forgiven you should practice doubting every thought. All thoughts are all lies all the time and mm-hmm. just let them pass. And you will see that eventually you wouldn't get angry about anything. It doesn't matter what will happen in your life. It mm-hmm. would not be happening to you. It will be happening to the ego, but the ego is dying. And mm-hmm. you will be able to handle anything that comes your way. You will not be personally affected by it at all. That's it's I. I hope I feel that one day. It's so hard to imagine a life where I don't feel triggered. Cause yeah. I, like, I'm telling you, like this whole vaccine stuff has triggered me beyond belief. Like seeing <laughs> the way that like they're treating people. Like there was actually just um, recently, there was a story about this school in Chicago called the Latin school of Chicago. I'm pretty sure who I guess like one of their students had committed suicide because they were being bullied relentlessly for like not being vaccinated. Right. And I remember like, I just saw that story and I, I just went absolutely crazy. I went to like their Yelp page and I left a bad review for them <laughs> and everything. Like, I definitely still get triggered. I got to work on it for sure. Yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> you. It's the ego that's getting triggered. The devil's nature. How do you nature. not get angry though? Like when people are being so ridiculous, how do you not get angry? Like, like what, like what do you do? When you... Don't get angry. You have a greater power within you, which is of God, right? His nature. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to deal with the issue in a strong way. You know how, I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, they said that Jesus went into the temple and turned over the tables because they were selling stuff. And mm-hmm. he did it with power, but he wasn't angry. And so mm-hmm. you have real power, a real strength to deal with things, but you won't, the real you won't be affected by it. Okay. You'll be able to see it and deal with it. You'll see injustice, but by not being angry about it, it can't overtake you. You won't be subject mm-hmm. to it. It is subject to you, mm-hmm. the real you. So practice doubt in every thought. Okay. I want to ask, in college, you, you did something called hookup culture. What, what was that? Oh, so in college, I went to a Big Ten school, and um, I actually didn't really do too much, like, uh, like hooking up, but I definitely had a bunch of relationships in college and I would have sex in those relationships 
and I, the college is where I lost my virginity and everything. It seems like it's so interesting how college, like the places that are supposed to be all about higher education, yeah. like the culture around it is usually like partying, drinking, lots of experimentation with drugs and sex. And like, how is that? Like, how <laughs> do those two things go together? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the teachers, the, the professors, whatever you call them, are they aware that the kids are into all this other kind of stuff? Oh, I'm sure. Probably. I mean, it's hard to not be aware of it when like every night you see people stumbling out these house parties and bars and everything. And it'd be hard. I, I would be like shocked if teachers claim they didn't know about that stuff. You know, that's, that's amazing. And do they ever say anything about it or do they just ignore it? As far as I, I mean, when I was there, no one really mentioned anything. <laughs> it was very like, it was seemed like very common knowledge. Like it was very common for people to have like fake IDs to get into bars um, underage and get drinks underage. And like, yeah, so many house parties. Like where I went to school at U of I and like we have this thing called unofficial, which is um, known as unofficial St. Patrick's Day. Right. Where people go absolutely crazy. And we had like, there were so many students who died on unofficial because of um, alcohol poisoning, doing stupid things when they're drinking alcohol, like falling off of, you know, balconies and everything. Wow. Like, horrible. Yeah. Were you into the drinking and the drugs too, or just the sex? I was definitely experimenting with marijuana. Oh. Um, but alcohol, I mean, I did drink, but I wasn't like a super heavy drinker, but I definitely did drink. And yeah, like I said, with sex and everything, it was just like lots of like these mini relationships that I'd find myself in. And I'd just be having sex in these relationships and not thinking that I was doing anything wrong. Right. I was just, I was always thinking I was getting so much validation from the people around me and from just the culture in general of, you know, it seemed like so normal, you know, that's amazing. How did you avoid getting pregnant? Um, I guess just luck. I mean, cause I was, I was on birth control for like a month, but I stopped taking it after a month cause it totally was just messing me up. And, you know, I guess condoms and everything, but condoms can always break. Yeah. But I was, I was very lucky to have, you know, not gotten any STDs or not have a pregnancy. That's good. Mm -hmm. And so you said, you mentioned that how getting into pornography can influence your sexual orientation. What do you mean by that? Uh, it, it can it can change your sexual orientation. It can influence it. I noticed that, you know, I've actually, so in myself, I noticed that when I was watching porn, and this is something I've actually heard across the board from a lot of heterosexual women, is they say that when they watch porn, they're masturbating to the women and not to the men. Oh. And and same with me. Like I, it was always like the sight of women that aroused me. And I think most porn is kind of like um, shot from like the idea of what would turn a man on. And I think that when I was watching porn, it put me in the mindset of a man and it caused me to like sexualize women. And I noticed that I was having, I was dealing with really lustful thoughts towards women and then when I overcame the porn addiction within about a year of being off of porn, I, the, those, those sexual thoughts towards women completely went away. And I literally do not experience lust towards women anymore. Yeah. And I've heard this in a lot of the men I've coached as well, that they get into porn. I don't know if you ever heard of sissy porn. Have you ever heard of that? No, I have not. Not sissy. I heard of sissies, but not sissy porn. <laughs> 
<laughs> so sissy porn is this like genre, I guess, where a woman is kind of emasculating a man and he's getting off on it. He's like getting aroused by it. So right. she'll like basically, I guess, like dominatrix kind of stuff oh, okay. where like the woman is like dominating him. Right. And in some cases, uh, and so like the men, they start to associate their sexual arousal with being um, dominated. And then eventually some of these women that they're watching will start encouraging them to do things like, oh, it'll really turn me on if you, I don't know how graphic I could be right now, but like. How graphic can you be? (laughs) Be yourself. Okay. (laughs) Like sometimes, like I heard from some of my clients that like, like there was one, there's someone I had who said that the woman was telling him, oh, it's going to turn me on so much if you suck. And he went out and did it. And now he, and now he's like. He said that now he almost can't be turned on unless he's going down on a man. And now he and now it's like he feels gay. But he but at first he wasn't gay. He was straight. And then but just through watching so much of this porn, it kind of influenced his sexual orientation. You know, over the years, I've heard of this before from other from men Mm -hmm. and and that they get so deeply into sex and pornography and stuff like that Mm -hmm. until eventually they are attracted to men as well. Yes. And, and I think yeah. and it just shows the darkness of sex and how deep the more you go into hell, how deep you can go. You know, the more deeper you can go into it. So I have heard it. I didn't know it meant sexual orientation, but uh, I've heard of that before over the years. I think honestly, I think that porn is a total intentional weapon against humanity that's like being used to like, I think that like, I I think that like, well, first of all, porn's free. Like you can watch, it's insane to me. You can watch whatever you want at the click of a button. Like if you have the internet, like literally you can see crazy stuff, like anything. And then, and I think that, you know, the way it works is that when you first watch it, you might start out watching like very mild things. Right. Like, and then, but over time, you're going to need more extreme things to get the same level of arousal. And then before you know it, yeah, like your 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 sexuality is different. Like you're starting to only get turned on by, um, you know, watching gay porn. Or I think honestly, I think this is how pedophiles are created because I think that eventually there's people out there who maybe they've seen all the porn there is to see. And yeah. now there's only one thing left to give them that same rush. I think that porn is almost like a tool being used to create pedophiles, to normalize pedophilia and to um, completely separate the act of pre- uh, sex from pregnancy and everything. I think like it's, it's totally a weapon against humanity. What do you, um, what do you believe is the aim of the pornography industry? I think it's to destroy families, destroy people and, and, and keep people away from God, number one, yeah. but also to totally pervert the meaning of sex. Like, it's almost insane to me to think before, like, I, like now I can't even believe that I used to ever get scared about being pregnant because it's yeah. like, how could I be <laughs> like, that's what sex is supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, because I remember growing up in, in college, like, you know, people would say, if they got pregnant, that means something went wrong, but it's like, no, that means sex worked how it's supposed to work. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And if you're not getting pregnant, that means sex went wrong, you know? And so I think like, I think when you're watching porn, 
it kind of trains you to detach pregnancy from sex because honestly, when you're watching porn, there's so many things where like the man will be ejaculating on a woman's face or on her other parts of her body. And, and like, like you're like, you're watching the semen go everywhere except for where it's supposed to be intended to go. And it kind of like, and honestly, it's just, it's so, yeah, I think it's to destroy, it's to destroy families, to take, to keep people away from God, to um, promote depopulation and to, um, just, I guess, weaken the masses so that we're in a constant state of acting on impulse and acting on instant gratification so that we're always, you know, we're, we're more controllable that way. Like yeah. you're more easily controlled if you, cause you know, porn really trains you to act on your impulses. And when you act, when you, when you are training yourself to act on impulse, it's going to leak out into every other area of your life. You're going to be acting on impulse with everything. I noticed I was a much angrier person when I was watching porn too. And it like, so yeah, I think it's intended to kind of keep people in this state of reactivity, this state of weakness and lack of control over themselves so that they make stupid decisions. So do you think the industry itself is aware of all that, the depths of what they're doing or do, are they doing it to primarily make money? Because when people are hooked on it, they make money, right? And so do you think they understand all that or are they in it for the money only? That's such an interesting question. I think that there's definitely people who are just in it for the money. They don't know what they're, they don't know the full weight of what they're doing. But I think that the, it's almost like a possession. It's almost like they're being possessed by a spirit that is causing them to do these things that maybe they're, maybe consciously they're not aware of what's happening, but they're definitely being possessed by something. Yeah. I even remember when I was watching porn, it would feel like I was being possessed by something. Absolutely. Like, like I remember like almost feeling like I was in a trance when I was watching it. And then, you know, it's very common to hear when, when like when people talk about how right after they have that orgasm, all of a sudden they're disgusted by what they see <laughs> on the screen and they yeah. want to turn it off. They want to put it away. They have that immediate like ugh feeling. And so it's like, OK, was it really you that was watching it and getting off to it? Or was it like you were possessed, you know? Absolutely. And so when you talk to people, coach with people about being addicted to it, do you think that they are, do you, do you believe they are physically addicted or spiritually addicted in darkness? It's it's like, is it a spiritual addiction or physical? I think it's both, but I think it honestly relates so much to what you talk about with um, having resentment towards the mother. Yeah. I think that is such a key element in porn addiction. Cause what I've noticed is that a lot of the men I talk to who are addicted to porn, they feel very emasculated in their lives. Yeah. They feel very um, beaten down by the women in their lives. And so I almost think that some of these men turn to porn to feel a sense of power for the first time ever yeah. <laughs> in their lives. And I think Absolutely. that a lot of them like, and there's a lot of anger in porn too. And I think that a lot of it, you know, I think a lot of it does come from initially that spiritual nature of being betafied in their real lives. Absolutely. You know? Is that the same thing for the women as well? I think, um, I, I definitely think that like when I was watching porn, I definitely felt like I was more masculine and more in, in a very masculine, aggressive, um, feminist energy you know and i think that yeah i think that porn kind of like 
takes people away from their true nature. So it masculinizes women and it feminizes men when yeah. they're watching it. That totally makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Is it harder for women or men to overcome it? An interesting question. I think that, I think it's almost, I mean, in general, I think it's harder for men to overcome it. But I think that for women, like for women who have a lot of anger inside of them towards men, it can be hard to, because I think it's almost harder for a woman to transform herself than a man to transform himself sometimes. I think sometimes, sometimes men have an easier time, I think, with like facing the truth than women do. And I think that to overcome porn, you have to change who you are as a person. Like you have to learn to see yourself differently. And I think that women can have a harder time with that sometimes. The, um, so when you overcame all that stuff, did your friends abandon you or did you feel, <laughs> how did they feel about you overcoming and speaking differently about it? Well, I mean, a lot of my friends didn't even know that I was addicted to it. But in terms of like my whole mindset of like not identifying as a feminist anymore and being a bit more conservative now, I've definitely had friends distance themselves from me. And like I've had to deal with a lot of anger from friends and family who were really upset that I voted for Trump, really upset that I talk about waiting until marriage to have sex. I think that like, you know, it's been hard, but... Like I said, I have to live my life by the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so being a feminist at one time, what was that like for you? What did that, what was it? What was in your mind about that? It felt like living in hell, like just <laughs> always being angry about something, always being angry about something, always being offended by something, always finding something to feel upset over and triggered by, you know, like I said, I still get triggered these days over like this whole vaccine thing, but <laughs> Maybe that's still a little bit of that, like, energy inside of me I got to get rid of. <laughs> um, do you, um, so you're over the feminine thing as well? No more of that? No more feminism? Yeah, definitely. I'm over, like, all of that type of social justice warrior mindset. <laughs> and so when you went to your mother and said, you know what, Mom? You told me <laughs> I should test the water before I get married, right? I did. I'm addicted. I'm I'm having a hard time with this. What did she say about that? Knowing that you know, she I actually never you. told her about that. I actually never told her that. I told when I forgave her. I mostly just focused on like how I felt growing up as a child. Right. I didn't really, I didn't really like focus on like my college years or anything. I never actually talked to her about that. Actually, I should. <laughs> and, and why? Why didn't you? Because she might influence your sisters too. Well, yeah. I mean, I think. I think in general, when I forgave her, it was really good for both of us. But I could tell that, you know, there was still a lot of things that I don't think like I was really feeling understood by. And so I think because honestly, when you talk to a lot of these like social justice, liberal minded people, it's hard to get through to them. You know, it's hard to have like a genuine connection to them. So it's like so sometimes I feel like anytime I brought up things about that go against her beliefs it's very hard to get through to her it feels like it's just constant like reactivity and there's almost no point you know yeah talking to a a angry person is Mm -hmm. like talking to trying to tell a fish about land (laughs) right (laughs) have you ever tried to talk to a fish about land (laughs) (laughs) the fish probably won't get as angry though (laughs) right (laughs) 
So, so you, when you went to her to forgive her, what, what was her reaction to that? First, it was anger. Um, first, it was like, you know, just like, well, what do I need to be forgiven for? Yeah, <laughs> like, <you know>? yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, we talked everything out. And at that point, I learned a lot more about her side of things, too. And like, um, the reasons because you know a lot of like when I talked to her about it most of my conversation was focusing on um how I felt disconnected from my dad because of the dynamic I saw between them with with you know the classic everything you always talk about the very dominating woman with a very like you know uh beta man and everything and I think (laughs) that (laughs) and so yeah I think like that was most of what we focused on and so she kind of told me more about like her side of things, which made me understand her more. Yeah. Um, and I think like at first it was tense, but I remember like, I remember waking up cause I did it. Um, I did it. I don't know if you remember or not, but I actually had a counseling session with you and I did it the same day that I talked to you. You had convinced me to do it that day. And so I, I, I did it that night and it was very emotionally draining but the next morning we had one of the best mornings we ever had together. Like we, we were in the, we were in the, we were in the garden. Like I was helping her out in the backyard and everything. And it was actually pleasant and like, nice, you know? <laughs> nice. And how about your father? How did, did you go to him as well? I did. And how did that go? It was good. It was good. I mean, it actually didn't even feel like anything. Like he it was just like a normal conversation. He was very like loving. <laughs> yeah. Fathers normally, don't react to that kind of stuff. They're happy to know that their children love them and they love their kids. They don't normally react. Once in a while, yeah. I hear fathers reacting, but most of the time, fathers don't react when the kids come to apologize. He's very, he's always been a very, like, easygoing person. It's always very easy to talk to him, always. So do you hope to get married and start a family at some point? Absolutely. As yeah. soon as possible. I want to get married and have kids as soon as possible. I know I'm like, supposedly like past the wall, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Are you able to say your age? I'm 31. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. I, I'll talk to Chris. No. <laughs> oh, Chris White. You can't marry him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one thing I do disagree with you on. You, t- you talk about interracial marriage and how that's not right, right? <laughs> Well, I, I don't say if it's right or wrong. I talk mm-hmm. about the reason that they do it. Most of the time we have interracial marriages. It's because the the boys and the girls, the ladies, men and women try to get away from the mother's influence. It's something mm-hmm. they don't like about their parents. And mm-hmm. they think going out marrying someone else from a different race would make it better. And it doesn't because whatever, if you are angry at your mother, you become attracted to what you angry at so you're subject to it and every woman or every man that the woman get involved would be just like their parents it wouldn't be any different you got to overcome the spirit then things will work for you but you attract it and i hear it all the time oh i went to china and i got a wife or i went to the philippines and she's just like my mama (laughs) (laughs) so it's so interesting yeah they only do do it because of that anger well do you think that it could be possible for like two people of different races to just genuinely fall in love and have a good marriage. Well, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is possible. Mm-hmm. But I doubt if they didn't resent their mothers, 
that they will be attracted because we're normally attracted to our family, you know, the sort of parents that we've come from, that we came from, are not attracted to it. So it might happen, but you would, it wouldn't be as popular as it is right now. Interesting. Yeah. I've never thought about that. I feel like, I mean, at least in America, you know, in America, we have so many different races altogether. Yeah. I think, I think it's kind of just more like in my life, I've, I've dated white, black, Latino. I actually, it's so funny. Actually, I've never dated an Indian man. Very <laughs> interesting. But I think a lot of it just has to do like with location, you know, like, I guess I'm just not around a lot of Indians. I'm just like mostly more around white, black, and Latino. So it's kind of just like by by like who I'm surrounded by. So if you get married, doesn't matter what the race is. No, actually, my parents don't care about that, which is interesting because a lot of times Indians do care about that. But my parents don't really care if I like what race the man I end up with it will be. Would you want to marry a black man? If I loved him. But how would he take, you're going to have to take care of him. I would have, I would happily take care of him. Really? If I loved him, if I loved him. <laughs> so would you marry a beta male? No, I wouldn't marry a beta male. <laughs> would you be able to recognize a beta male before you marry him? Yes, I think, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> Amazing. I think so. Well, I think, I think in general, you'll know, because what's so interesting is that when I was watching porn, I was attracted to beta males. Yeah. And then when I overcame that, I, it's like it changed who I was attracted to. And I hear this from a lot of men, too, that when they stop watching porn, they find out that they're attracted to totally different women. Yeah. When I stopped watching porn, I became attracted to totally different kinds of men. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So why were you a vegan in college? I was so I actually became a vegan um, a couple of years after college, oh, like right at, like right when I was done with college. And I think. Well, for I was definitely super caught up in the social justice warrior mindset. And I think veganism kind of goes along with that. You know, it's all about fighting for the most oppressed, the animals and like <laughs> all about like it's it's again, it's very uh, it's a movement that uses guilt and shame to control people. And um, it, it's a very uh, it could be a very suicidal type of philosophy to live under. Because as a vegan, you you start becoming convinced that humans are evil, that we're the reason why all these animals are suffering and that like we're a cancer on this earth. We're, we're, we're so destructive and like everything would be better without humans. And then eventually, if you go down that road far enough, you know, you start to realize how much it affects your health negatively. And I think a lot of times vegans get into this mindset of they are if they're like well like I'll, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the animals I'm going to sacrifice my health for the animals it's like a very like altruistic type of mindset that they think they're in but it's really a deception and I think that you know getting out of veganism and overcoming porn is what allowed me to find God yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and so I know in Indian in, in India it used to be people didn't eat me over there as a religious reason, right? Mm -hmm. For a religious reason. Mm -hmm. And and so that had no impact on you because you were born in this country? Well, no, actually, I grew up vegetarian. Both my parents are vegetarian. Oh, okay. Um, well, now they're both vegan, actually. But when I when that was being raised um, back then, they were vegetarian. So I actually never ate meat until a couple of years ago. For the first time in my life, I had it when I was 29 years old. Really? 
Yeah. And what was it like when you first taste meat? What was that like for you? It was crazy. There is like no no vegetable on earth that can <laughs> resemble that taste and texture. <laughs> but, but um no, at first I thought at first I found it really gross because I I was just not used to it. Yeah. I was like, this is and like I was I couldn't believe like how much I had to chew <laughs> and like, you know, it but I remember like being really grossed out by it but feeling this intense calmness wash over me after eating it. And I remember feeling like, okay, I think I just need to keep like powering through this. And eventually I got to a point where it finally started to taste good to me. Yeah. And so now I enjoy it, but it took a little while to get there. What did your sure. parents say about you now? That you, What do they think of you eating meat? Um, I actually still haven't told my dad, but... <laughs> But my mom is she's very, very angry, very angry, definitely upset. Um, I felt like I lost a lot of um, her respect. Really? That. Oh, yeah. It's a it, picture like a gay guy coming out to super Christian parents. That's pretty much what it's like to wow. come out as a meat eater. <laughs> that is serious. Oh, yeah. So she was more angry about the meat than she was about you being involved in porn and stuff? Yeah, I don't think she really cared about me being addicted to porn. Wow. <laughs> but, she, but, the, but yeah, the meat thing is a really, really big deal. It's like, because, um, you know, and this is something I've noticed, too, actually, in Indians. Like a lot when I, because, you know, we go to India every three, four years or so. We actually haven't been back there in a while because of COVID, but... Yeah, it, it, still, it's a very still strong vegetarian. It's like still the biggest, um, the biggest vegetarian population on the planet. And I remember being in India and just noticing how no one looked healthy or strong to me. Yeah. And now I can kind of connect that back to the diet. But like, I just remember thinking like, why do I like, like, why do I feel so tired all the time? Or like, why do I feel so emotional all the time? And I think that when you're malnourished, it will cause you to have less emotional regulation and you are going to be more like frantic and like, like just like stressed out and hyper yeah. and everything, you know? Absolutely. You should invite your mother over for a nice little steak dinner just for the fun <laughs> of it. <laughs> oh, goodness. That would not go well at all. <laughs> What do you think your father would say if he when he found out if he found find out that you're eating meat now? I actually wanted to tell him, but I think I know he wouldn't be angry about it. I think it would just be deeply hurtful to him. He would be very, very sad and hurt by it. That's so amazing. They take it that seriously. Even if they they can you know not eat it, but you would think that they would not bother about what you eat. Oh, no. It's again, it's like it would be like a gay guy coming out to Christian parents. It's like it, it, it would be like like you're not, you know, you're not the daughter I raised you to be. Your values are all messed up. Wow. <laughs> it's, like, it's a lot. Are you, your sisters are be, uh, vegans as well? One of them is vegan. One of them is vegetarian. Really? Mm -hmm. And so do you get along with them? Yeah, yeah, we do. They know. They know about it. They know about the meat. <laughs> Yes, they know about it. <laughs> and what do they say? They don't really have a strong opinion on it, actually. They're just like kind of like, oh, whatever. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's right. That w is nice. <laughs> one other thing before I have to throw you on the hot seat here. Um, okay. I read that when you were in college and you were taking dance classes and other classes, that there was a lot of emphasis on racism. 
Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. Well, as you know, <laughs> college is where they teach you about, you know, system, systemic oppression and and racial inequality and all this kind of stuff. And even in even in the dance world, they talked about that a lot. And I remember, you know, learning about just I mean, they actually focused more on like feminism in, in, the, in the dance program I was at. But, yeah, a lot of them did focus on like every every like every dance I just, it's hard to even remember at this point, but yeah, it was just a heavy focus on racism. We would learn about, um, we would learn about all different kinds of dances through different parts of the world. And we would learn about like ballet and like the racism in ballet and, you know, just all this <laughs> stuff. There was a lot of like uh, mental programming in college for sure. I mean, I really love the program. Like, like I love dancing, you know, right. like the actual dance classes were amazing, but the, but the, the philosophy and the, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know what you would call it. I guess the, everything that wasn't dancing right. was like all about, uh, teaching you about oppression and uh, sexism, racism. Yeah. They just pound your head with that stuff. Did you believe in tuna at any point? Oh yeah. When I was learning it, I believe I didn't, I didn't even have my awakening until just a few years ago, really. You know, Amazing. I was definitely very caught up in this mentality that like everything's racist and everything's sexist. Yeah. And so when you, what were your impression when you first heard me speak or talk? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, I mean, I thought you were really funny, but I thought that you definitely made me angry when I first <laughs> watched you. Like, I remember just thinking like, what do you mean women don't have love, you know? <laughs> As yeah. I'm sitting there, like, hating on everyone around me. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. You know? And so, I remember first I would just watch you because you were just hilarious. And I was just like, okay, like, I don't agree with this guy, but he's just so funny. I'm just <laughs> going to keep watching him. But then eventually, you know, like, the more you watched of you, like, the more sense everything started to make to me. And, you know, I would see, I would watch your, um, your call-in shows where you would be talking to these callers and you'd be like, you sound just like your mama. <laughs> and it'd be so funny because I felt like listening to you, listening to you talk to people, it like helped me kind of like recognize it in other people where, where now I'm like, like I see, I can like see the things you're talking about in my real life now. And yeah. I, and it can like, I can pick them apart now. You That's know? right. Absolutely. Amazing. That's Amazing. <laughs> And so what quick other question, did you hate white people at one time because of the brainwashing in the schools and things? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I hated them, but I definitely felt like they were um, responsible for a lot of the bad things in this world and everything, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> so, know, so bad. Uh, I think it's time to heat up this interview. Okay. And I'm going to throw you in the, uh, in the hot seat. I need you to okay, answer I'm these ready. questions as quickly as possible. What is a man? X, 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 Y chromosomes. <laughs> what is love? Um, the ability to allow someone to be themselves without being affected by it. Always doing what's in the other person's best interest. In one word, describe Camilla Harris. Fake. Do you support abortion? No. And by the way, there's a music video coming out today about abortion that I was just in that you should all check out by Loza Alexander. He's the guy who came up with the Let's Go Brandon song. Oh, OK. Yeah. Can a true Christian support the LGBTQ lifestyle? Hmm. 
I want to say yes. Well, maybe not the lifestyle, but the person. They can love the people, you know. True or false, a woman places in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, I would say true. I love being in the kitchen. So if you got married, you would want to stay at home and raise the children? Yeah, I would. I would love to spend my days cooking for my man. Definitely. Nice. Uh, Do you love the great white hope? Yeah, I voted for him. <laughs> nice. Um, is it ever okay to tell a woman she's fat? Yes. Have you ever done LSD? Yes. Will you celebrate White History with me in July? July is White History Month. I would love to come in and celebrate with you. With you. <laughs> nice. Um, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Amazing. So I got to ask this last question. Did you have fun? So much fun, Jesse. You're such a blast. I appreciate you so much. Well, I def- thank you. And I appreciate you as well. Thank you for coming on. And thanks for taking the hot seat. Tell the folks how they can find your YouTube channel or whatever you're promoting right now. So the main thing I want to promote right now is a music video called Unborn. It's by, it's by an artist named Loza Alexander. He's absolutely amazing. I hope you get to interview him at some point. He made the best Let's Go Brandon song ever. And he makes all, he's a very, very talented guy. And so, yeah, his music video is dropping today. But I know this video is going to come out like a week later. But definitely go check him out. Loza Alexander on YouTube. Watch the video Unborn. It's all about abortion. Excellent, excellent stuff. But yeah, you can find me on YouTube at Ahana, A-A-H-A-N-A. Um, and yeah, I would say that'd be the main channel you could find me on. I'm on Instagram too, but I don't really, I post mostly like political stuff on Instagram, nothing really like porn related. <laughs> Amazing. So one last question, if I think you are Christian, right? I, uh, are I, you a Christian? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you a Christian? I don't know. I don't know because I mean, I definitely believe in Jesus and I like to follow Jesus, but I've been, I've been kind of going back and forth between Christianity and Catholicism. Oh, I see. And your parents are what? Uh, my mom's Hindu and my dad's Jain. And do they know you uh, believe in Jesus? Hell no. No, no, no. <laughs> they don't know that? No. no, they don't. It would be like another meat conversation. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really, really appreciate it. And, uh, Keep doing what you're doing. And it's amazing how your life has changed since overcoming the anger, waking up. It's just going to get better. Just stay with it. Never, never, never give up. And it's just going to get better for you. Thank you so much, Jesse. I love you. I love you, too. Thank you so much. (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget that Fall Estate Podcast is on iTunes. So download the audio and video of the latest shows from the Apple iTunes podcast library. And I do appreciate it. Don't forget to follow, ring the bell, uh, tweet, and all that good stuff. Check out our merch. I do appreciate it, folks. Let me hear from you. Take care.